Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you go to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, we've been talking about denying deception, amen? Denying deception. We're talking about having discernment in these last days. We've covered a lot in the, what, four or five weeks that we've been on this topic, been taking a look at this. And um, I hope that your eyes have been opened. I hope that you have uh, received already so much that will empower you and quicken you and and strengthen you. So I I want to just, you know, brief, quick recap. Uh, We are uncovering and unveiling, if you will, although it, it might seem like it's unnecessary. The Bible tells us that it is unnecessary to have discernment, even to tell between right and wrong, even to distinguish between good and evil, right? Um, And we know that in the last days, we're calling what is evil good, and we're calling what's good evil, and, um, you know, we're seeing that played out before us. Uh, But as we're going to learn tonight, the church is to be the greatest uh, distinguishment and the distinguishing factor between what is of the enemy and what is of God. We understood this, that the enemy, uh, as he worked from the beginning, a precedent-setting event, it's how he always operates. He's tricky, he's cunning, he's sly, he's subtle. Um, He is hidden and mysterious in his ways that he wants to attack um, and wants to introduce things into this environment. And we know now, look, if Adam and Eve were susceptible to the cunningness and the craftiness of the enemy in a perfect environment, how much more do you think we are uh, susceptible to that and um, need to build up a greater tolerance and resistance uh, of distinguishing right from wrong? Think about it. It's a perfect environment. Genesis chapter, three, Genesis chapter 2, perfect environment. You got God. You got man. No sin. Perfect environment, right? And there was still a vulnerability to missing what was of God and what was not of God. Even though God clearly gave instructions. I mean, they didn't even have 10 commandments that they had to follow. They just had one, right? Do not eat, right? And then they had their instructions and they had their directions given to them by God of how they're supposed to orchestrate themselves, uh, mode of operations, you're made in my likeness, you're gonna function and operate just like me. I mean, they had all that in one command, do not eat of the fruit of the tree, of the singular tree, the one tree in the garden that I have marked off, I've set a boundary. You know, the blessing is in the boundary. The blessing is within the boundary. And don't we wanna push those boundaries? And don't we want to step outside? For some reason, we think the life on the outside of the boundary is greater than what's inside. But God's saying, no, no, no. I've given you everything. They had every other tree available to them. They had rivers flowing through there. He said, I've given you this entire domain. This entire garden is yours. But one tree is marked off, the knowledge of good and evil. And the enemy actually, this is the key to deception, the enemy actually tricked them and uh, drew them to him by tempting them with something that they thought was of God. And that seemed like it was of God. You'll be more like God, he said. You'll be more like, so we recognize this, that people that are deceived, they don't believe they're running in the opposite direction of God. They actually believe they're running toward God. 
They believe they're going hard after God. They're the hardest ones to convince, deceive people are, because they believe that their actions and their direction and their belief systems and their doctrines uh, and their intentions are all motivated by a godly purpose. And so then we recognize in Proverbs chapter three, the most powerful verse that I believe is, has, has come through this whole series. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not on your own understanding. And immediately right there, we saw the crossroads that we end up in. We saw the crossroads that every uh, time, uh, how do we distinguish between what's of God and what is of us? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we even gave examples of people that had to trust in God. And if they didn't trust in God, they were given alternative routes, alternative ways to achieve the same purpose. Deceived people aren't trying to end up at a different place than God wants them to. They just want to get there a different route. They want to manipulate the way. They want to manipulate the how. And then we allow our personal thinking and we allow our intentions and we allow our uh, understanding get in the way. That's why I said that a lot of times our knowing and our understanding gets in the way of our believing. When you, when you need to know something before you step out, you're no longer operating by faith. You're no longer operating the way God wants us to operate. That's called leaning on your own understanding. That's called leaning on your own understanding. That's called leaning on your way of doing things. The most powerful example that we pulled out of that was when we saw Jesus in the garden, right? And he even showed God the two different ways. I know this is your way. I know this is your cup that you have for me. I know this is your plan of redeeming mankind and bringing your kingdom back to the earth. But if you have another way, did he not have this conversation? So if he had the conversation, you know full and well we have the same conversation. Well, God, I want you to restore my marriage. He shows you how and you say, uh, do you have another way? You got any other ideas up there? Run, yeah, one that involves less responsibility on my part. Usually that's how that plays out, isn't it? it, it, it we, our way usually involves less of uh, inconvenience on our part, less discomfort. Uh, but no, he says, you know what? If you want to restore that, you go ask them to forgive you. No, 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 no. I, they need to be asking. They, they need to be asking me for forgiveness. They need to be, uh, you know, they need to be the ones reaching out. I'm not going to be the. And so, what do we do? We immediately come up with our way, achieving the same result versus God's way. What if? What if we just followed God's way first time out? What if we just went God's route? You know, I'm not even going to propose my idea. I mean, I had a thought going into this, but, but you gave me your command. You gave me your direction. And, hey, if that's what you think, man, let's do it. Let's go that way. What if we responded that way? What kind of breakthrough and deliverance and freedom? And this is what we're really diving into is every time we allow ourselves to follow our path instead of God's, we move closer and closer to deception. Closer and closer to deception. See, I, I don't want to grow closer to deception at the expense of me getting what I want. 
I, 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 see, there's more that is on the line here. There's more of a cost to pay. It's not just about getting my way and doing it how I want and achieving a desired result my way, even though God showed me another way. It's about how is it compromising my soul? How is it compromising my thinking? How is it compromising who I am? By getting my way and by doing it the way that I want versus how God wants? Achieving a certain result, but what is God trying to work in you in the process? What is God trying to do in you in the process? What did Abraham compromise by sleeping with his servant rather than just following the plan of God? I'm going to bring a nation from you and your wife, Sarah. No ifs, ands, or buts, and I don't need any help. I don't need your ideas. I don't need your suggestions. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing we have to understand is God's plan many times will involve natural steps. So on the flip side of that, I can't act like this is all spiritual and that I don't have to do any work on my end, and God's just going to make it rain down from heaven. No, there's going to be some natural steps in place, and God will lead you and guide you to what those natural steps should be. He might ask you to take a loan out. He might just ask you to believe for all the money to be paid up front. He might, he, he might ask you uh, to start a business or he might ask you to go on employee, uh, become an employee somewhere else. God's way will involve natural resources. I just don't lean on natural resources. It will involve me to progress and develop myself, but I'm not gonna lean on my personal natural development. So we saw that in Proverbs chapter 3, that that's been a key factor that we've honed in on for the last several weeks. We also saw in Hebrews chapter 5 that the writer of Hebrews was admonishing them saying, you know, there's many more things I want to share with you. There's many more things I want to open up to you. There's many more things I want to teach you. But he said, you become dull, lazy, and sluggish in your hearing. And let me tell you, that doesn't mean that I'm not putting myself in the place to hear. It means I'm not putting myself in the posture to hear. Hearing demands posture. Hearing demands a posture. Hearing demands a sensitivity, right? There's a difference between just sitting in a seat and going through the motions and going through church. If that were the case, if it was as simple as being in the place of hearing, then Matthew chapter 13, we wouldn't need the seed sown by the wayside and we wouldn't need the seed that was choked out by thorns and we wouldn't need the seed that didn't take root. We wouldn't need those examples, right? Because simply hearing would produce fruit, but that's not what it says. Matthew chapter 13 gives us four different cases of people that heard. Matthew chapter 7 gave us two different cases of people that heard the word, but one was foolish and built on sand, one was wise and built on the solid rock. If it was just hearing alone, we wouldn't have any issues. We've, we're filling churches. We're, 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 we're filling, we, we're on the internet, we've got podcasts, we, we've got books, and we've got resources, and the Bible even tells us that in the last days, you will reap, you will uh, uh Heap up for yourselves, teachers. You know what heap up means? That doesn't mean one or two. <laughs> that means a whole bunch, a pile of them. Who am I going to listen to today? Who am I going to spend my time listening to today and receiving from today? No, hearing's not the problem. It's the posture that I put myself when I hear. 
lazy and sluggish or sensitive and on edge? There's a difference. Receptive, teachable, moldable. Are we hearing with the teachability? That's why I told you we come in here in two postures. What I already know and what I want to know. And if what you already know outweighs what you desire to know, what you want to know, you're in a bad spot because I'm going to give you word. I'm going to sow seed. I'm going to cast it. I'm going to sow it. I'm going to invest it in your life. And you'll walk out of here no different. James chapter 1 says, you do not be hearers only, but doers. And you know what follows right after that? Deceiving yourselves. Deceived people are hearers only. It's not that they don't hear. A lack of hearing just produces an an unbeliever or a lost person. But a hearer that doesn't do or doesn't apply or is thinking about what they already know versus what they're hearing, that just produces a deceived person every time. And deceived people are dangerous because deceived people don't know that they're deceived. A deceived person doesn't know, I'm deceived. I'm I'm believing a lie. This isn't true. They don't know that. They are believing a lie as truth. In fact, we see this in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Beginning with verse 18, for God's wrath. Oh, I better not camp on that one. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Oh, this is loaded. I mean, we could just, we could be here for another month. God's wrath is revealed from heaven. God's wrath, God's anger is revealed from heaven who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. So right here, unbelievers deceive people They are not deceived because they don't know or they didn't have the opportunity to hear or it's not, for whatever reason, it's not made evident. It's been made evident to them. But he says these individuals suppress the truth. That means they've seen the truth, they've heard the truth, they knew at one point it was the truth and they decided to lean on their own understanding and therefore suppress the truth. Shut down the truth. And the power, you know what the Bible says about truth? It says, the truth shall make you free. It says, the truth shall make, you know, it doesn't say salvation shall make you free. Jesus dying on the cross shall make you free. Confessing Jesus as Lord shall make you free. So what does that mean? There's a lot of bound people that confess Jesus as Lord that Jesus even died on the cross for, that Jesus shed his blood for, that Jesus gave his life for. And you know what? They are still in bondage because they suppress truth. 
They suppress truth. It says what, what, what can be known about God, it's evident among them. That means they have just as great an opportunity to see truth as you and I do. God is not withholding anything from anyone. God is not mysteriously hiding anything from anyone in the aspect of, oh, I don't want you to know, or I can't give you access to that, or I don't, want, I don't want you to see that. He wants us to know the truth. God wants you to know the truth, see the truth clearly, and it's been made evident, it says. They've been given the same opportunity, but they suppress the truth. Verse 20 says, because his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Everybody say clearly seen. That means clearly. <laughs> that means evident. That means it's right there before you. It's been clearly seen. His divine attributes, his power, his ability, what he can do, what he doesn't do, what he's for, what he's against, it's all clearly evident. Since the creation of the world, being understood through, through what he has made. And as a result, this is what it says, people are without excuse. See, when everyone's been given the same opportunity, then guess what? I was watching some, some Super Bowl stuff, getting ready for this weekend and you know, they were, I can't remember who they were talking to. Somebody on, um, I think on the Chiefs, they were asking them because the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl last year. So the Chiefs, you know, the Super Bowl almost, you know, kind of bookends this COVID situation because COVID broke out right after the Super Bowl in March. Uh, COVID started in March, Super Bowl was in February, and then now here we are. And so, so it almost was like full circle. And so they were asking, you know, what do you think about this season versus last season and how much more difficult? And he said, look, it wasn't any more difficult for us than anybody else. Somebody had to go to the Super Bowl. Somebody had to go to the Super Bowl even though we didn't have training camp even though uh, training facilities were locked down, even though we get a random email on a, on, a, on a Wednesday morning saying we can't practice today because somebody on your team has been exposed to COVID and we got to shut everything down until further notice, skipping games, making up games at a later. He said, yeah, it's been a mess, but we've all had to deal with it. Somebody had to make it this far. We weren't at any greater advantage or disadvantage. You're without excuse. You can't blame it. Nobody can say, well, if it weren't for COVID, we would have made it this year. Everybody went through COVID. Everybody went through the same protocols. Everybody went through the same procedure. Everybody was be, being tested the same amount. Everybody had something happen to their football team at some point. You couldn't blame it. You're without excuse. And nobody on this earth, the Bible tells us, is at a disadvantage when it comes to knowing and recognizing truth. Nobody is. We can put ourselves at a disadvantage. But he's saying here, the, the resource and the availability is there. It's yours. Everybody has the opportunity to clearly see. You're without excuse. Verse 21, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless, that can be blinded, darkened. 
Another word for that can be blinded. I don't see as clearly as I did. It's not that it hasn't been made clear. It's not see that God hasn't given everyone the, the, the best opportunity possible to hear and see truth. It's that now, because now I become blinded. Jesus even said that of the Pharisees. He called them blind guides. He said it's the blind leading the blind. It's the blind leading the blind. Deceived people always have to have a crowd. Very rare do you see a deceived person that'll stand out on an island all by his own. He has to form a crowd. He has to form a group. He has to buy, get others to buy into his level of deception. Righteous people will stand all by themselves. Truth bearers will stand all by themselves because I don't need agreement. I don't need popularity. I don't need majority. Man, the, the, the Lord hit me with that last week. He, he, he told me, he said, I have never in all of creation ever relied on the majority to get my my." And they won't even have to fight. They're going to light up pitchers of fire, throw them on the ground, and just throw the other camp into utter chaos. Not because they over the battle with the best of the enemy by having more people and greater artillery and greater skills and going to battle with the best of the best. No, David was not the majority. Paul was not. The, Paul even said, I don't have anybody like-minded except Timothy over here. <laughs> Jesus went to the cross all by himself. Who cares about the 20,000 plus that were on the side of the mountain with you? Who cares about, you know, even the, the 12 and the 70 that were falling? When you're going to the cross, when the, at the time when you need people the most, you're going there by yourself. But he did it by himself knowing I'm fulfilling the plan of God and I don't need anybody going with him. Do you? See, that truth builds a confidence, man. Truth says this is the truth and I don't need people to side with me, agree with me, group with me. Start a coalition, send out, send around, you know, uh, you know, what are those things where you try to, you know, get enough petition? I, truth doesn't have to petition. Truth will stand by itself with the utmost confidence, no insecurity. I know what I know and I know what I believe and I, but deceive, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, they'll start, well, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I they have to have a group. They knew God. They did not glorify him as God. And their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. You ever notice that? You know, we live in a culture right now, people would rather be heard than be right. They would rather someone hear them just to get their voice out than to actually be right about a subject or a topic. And I'm not even just talking about the word of God. People just want to be heard. There's an, obviously, there's a high political sensitivity in the world. And right now, people just want to be heard. There's an outcry. There's an, out, there's an outpouring. There's a roar. There's, a, there, there, there's just a, I don't know. I just, ah, got to get out there. Do you know what you're talking about? Oh, not really. I read it somewhere on the internet. That's all true, right? That's the great thing about the internet is anybody can put anything out, so it's got to be right. No. No, claiming, claiming to be wise says they became fools. And here it is. 
and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over. Did you know that deceived people, it comes a point where God will just hand them over. Doesn't mean he's given up on them. It means that's just the next step in the process to get you to come clean, to get you to see uh, the, the, the lawlessness you're in, to get you to see the deception that you have submitted yourself to and subjected yourself to. I, I, that means he's not sending people by your way anymore. That means the support systems are gone. That means the pastors aren't speaking into your life. That means the, the, the godly people that you were once surrounded with uh, are no more. Doesn't mean he's given up on you, but he's like, you aren't receiving anymore. And, and, and Jesus called it casting pearls before swine. That's what Jesus called it. He says, God delivered them over to the, to the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. The great exchange. The great exchange. And this is what happens when we no longer operate in discernment and no longer can distinguish between right and wrong. Well, guess what? Then we'll exchange right for wrong. We'll exchange good for evil. We'll exchange lies for truth. We're swapping. We're taking a position on something that is actually opposed to God rather than standing against it as God does. There's an exchange. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is where the church comes in. First Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read this out of the New Living. It says... Paul's writing to Timothy, if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is to be the pillar and support of truth the pillar and the foundation of truth. First off, we recognize this, that the house of God is not a building. So we're not talking about physical foundations like what you're standing on right now, sitting on right now. This is a foundation. That's what this, this, this concrete slab was poured to be a foundation that now we can construct and support this physical building. But when he says the household of God or the church of God, he's not talking about a physical building. He's talking about the people of God. The people of God. So this is what he's saying. You and I, the church of the living God, 
are to be pillars and supports of truth. You and I are. You and I are. And this is not optional. If you feel like it, it's not conditional. It's not, you know, uh, you know, if you want to take on that responsibility, I'd really like for you to be the pillar. No, you are. By coming into the household of God, by being a part of the living church of God in these last days, you and I are the pillar and support of truth. So you think it's, it's, it's a pretty high responsibility that we know the truth. It's a pretty high responsibility that we stand for truth. It's a pretty high responsibility that we do not fall away from truth. It's a pretty high responsibility that we value truth and not just what's popular and not just what is majority and not just what is uh, progressive thinking um, and, and tolerate just anything. A pillar and support is unwavering. Unwavering. A pillar and support is constant. A pillar in support is consistent. I literally heard someone a while back say that truth these days is a moving target. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not going anywhere. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, what applies to Jesus applies to truth. And he said, I am will never pass away. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And truth is not evolving. Truth is not progressing. Truth is not digressing. Truth is. Truth is is final. It's constant. It's consistent. And a pillar and a support is used to uphold something else. So the church isn't the truth. We are upholding truth. We're not getting people to believe in us. We're upholding what we want people to believe in. So we first have to show a value for truth. We first have to maintain a consistency in remaining constant, remaining steadfast, remaining immovable, remaining unshakable on the uncompromised word of God. What does the word say? That's where we always take people. What does the word say? Show me in the word. Take me to the Bible. That's where we have to go. That has to be our foundation. And when the church becomes founded on anything else, it no longer qualifies to uphold truth. If we're not founded in truth, then we can't be a pillar in the support of truth. Truth is the foundation, the solid rock that we build our house on. Wisely building our house on the solid rock. And when the winds come and when the waves come and the storm and the rains, they beat on the house, but it stood firm. Why? Because we're founded in truth. It's sad to say I'm watching... pastors and I'm watching leaders and I'm watching churches falter in these times but it only reveals what they were built upon in the good times I I, I told y'all all year long 2020 isn't a result what happened to you and how you responded to 2020 was not a result 
of 2020. Remember I told y'all that? I think it was probably May or June. I said, how you're responding in the midst of this crisis right now is not, a re- is not based on what's happening in 2020. It's based on how you prepared yourself, grounded yourself, what you founded yourself in 2019, in 2018, in 2017. And, if, and look, the storm came to both houses. The same storm. It wasn't a category six for the foolish man and a category one, just a little tropical breeze for, for, the, for the, the foolish man. Just you know. No, it said the same storm, the winds and the waves and the rains came beating on the houses. One stood, one fell. And why? The foundation. Well, I didn't hear the, as much word as you did. I didn't have the opportunity. No one told me, no one taught me, no one should. No, we all, we just read it. No one has excuse. No one has excuse. What were we founded on? I heard someone say, "You, you don't build a boat in the middle of the storm. What if Noah would have sat around rain? What is that? I'll believe it when I see it. Drop, oh, better get started on that boat thing he was talking about no he obeyed the Lord and for a hundred years was building a boat and nobody even knew what rain was it's your preparation and truth has to be something you build yourself on and you prepare yourself in before you need it don't wait until you need truth to try to get truth you build yourself in the truth of the word of God You build yourself in the confidence of the word of God. You shore yourself up in scriptures on healing. You shore yourself up on scriptures of of how God's gonna sustain you in calamity. I mean, how many of y'all remember our praise and declaration service? How many of y'all remember? That was one of our last services. I think it might've been the last service before we shut our doors in March. And we got up here and all we did was praise God through worship and declare his word and speak his word and look at where our church ended up. You can't make this stuff up. No fear. You know, some people are just expecting to fail. Some people just are expecting to falter. Some people are just expecting what's around the corner, what's going to come get me, what's the next thing. It's so sad right now. It's so sad. Just because there's fear out there doesn't mean it has to have any part of you. Just because there's fear being propagated doesn't mean it has to come into your heart and into your spirit. You tell it where to go. I mean, we read the entire chapter of Psalm 91 together. I was reading it. It was up on the screen and y'all were saying it with me. At least I hope you were. We weren't just going through the motions. We were shoring ourselves up in the word because of what's coming. I mean, you do this naturally. You know, last year proved to me that people can prepare themselves when necessary. When people were dosing up on vitamin C, buying all the, the hand sanitizer, we were making our own hand sanitizer. My gosh. Some of y'all probably still have stacks of toilet paper in your house that you haven't even used yet. Yeah. You could donate to the Meneers right here. They're going to be down front. We're going to have a little uh, basket. 
Some of us go through that stuff more than others. No, I, 2020 proved what we will do, it didn't it? It also proved how quickly we'll believe something even though we don't see it. I'm telling you, man, I, I guess I need to get a broadcast on CNN because if you put it there, people just believe it. But then I get up in the pulpit and I preach the word of God. Oh, I don't know, pastor, I don't know about that. I don't know, that, that, that old stuff, that was 2,000 years ago. Watch the people board up their houses. Weather Channel just says hurricane. You didn't even hear the rest of what they were saying. And you're out at Walmart buying everything you can, boarding up the house. And then the pastor, the preacher, and look, people are spending money. They're expensing themselves. They're going through all this effort. They're scared out of their minds. They're, 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 they're exhausted from how tired and sleepless nights, how many sleepless nights they're having. And, and, and just believe the truth. Just believe the truth. Truth is constant. Truth is consistent. Truth remains steadfast. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Man, you got to be kidding me. It's 8 o'clock already. Are you serious? Who changed the clock on my iPad? And back there. And on my watch. And on my phone. Golly, man. 1 Timothy 4, 1. And if I can just be a pastor for a moment. I don't want this to sound harsh. I, I promise I'm not mad. I'm serious though. Sometimes I feel like I can't go as long because the people that are taking care of our children serve a lot. Yeah, Myrna. Yeah. Are you hearing me? I'm just being a pastor right now. I'm just, I'm just telling you from my heart. I'm thinking about the ones that are in the classrooms back there that are invested and pouring into your children. And they're back there a lot. Some of them, they're back there more often than they should be. And we are not a church that burns people out. We are not a church that wears people out. We are not a church that you just come here to serve and do your thing and you never get to sit in here and receive the word. If you're not receiving, you have nothing to give away. But we have to build our children's teams. We had 85 back with our children alone. They're almost beating us in here. We just dropped off a meal at a family that just had a baby and we just had another one born about two o'clock this afternoon. For some reason, y'all just making babies left and right. My wife and I haven't had a baby in 10 years and y'all found a way to get us pregnant. <laughs> so we're starting all over again. But I, but, but I am being a little serious. I'm thinking of them. And when I look at that clock and I'm thinking, man, they were just back there last Wednesday. They were just in that classroom on Sunday. I can't wear them out. I can't burn them out. I, I've got to, and I want to go further here. So if y'all could help us out with that, if you, if, if you are a parent and you have children, please take the time to invest in someone else's family because they're investing in yours. Okay? Let's close here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 
Sometimes I just got to be a pastor. That's a pastor talking to you. That's a shepherd talking to you, okay? 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. Everyone say clearly. So the Holy Spirit doesn't talk in, you know, uh, you know, he's not trying to hide it from you. He's not trying to get you to figure it out. He's not, tr- the Holy Spirit is not like the devil. He's not tricky and cunning and crafty and subtle and sly and trying to weasel his way into your life. The Holy Spirit comes right up and says, this is how it is. The Holy Spirit now says clearly in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. Everyone say true faith. And they will follow deceptive spirits. Deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Without making it weird, at the end of the day, deception is demonic. Deception comes from the enemy. Deception is not of God. The Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of chaos. God, does that mean that we'll know all the ins and outs? No, that's where faith comes in. But he's not trying to get something over on you by hiding it and disguising it as something else. That's not God's mode of operation. He speaks clearly. Uh, The New King James says he speaks expressly, thoroughly, consistently, in line with his word. I love it when people tell me that the Holy Spirit tells them something that you can't find in the Bible. It does, it's not possible. I just smile at him and I say, okay. Because if you're that convinced the Holy Spirit is telling you that, then there's no convincing outside of that. That's like the utmost deception when you think the Holy Spirit is telling you stuff that's not even found in the Bible. That's, that's, the, that's the greatest level of brokenness you can find. The Holy Spirit told me. We'll find three scriptures that align with it because his word is always uh, uh, confirmed by two or three witnesses. And don't twist it to try to justify your position and, and, and strengthen your stance. Take the word for what it is. It's the greatest level of brokenness. They will follow deceptive spirits. That tells us this, deception is spiritual, not natural. Deception is spiritual, not natural. Deception comes from a spiritual source, not a natural source. You didn't come up with that on your own. And this is where us as believers have to be able to stop and say, okay, this is not flesh and blood. This is not me against you. You've opened yourself up to something. You've opened yourself up. You've subjected yourself to something. And discerning that comes by the spirit. You fight spirit with spirit. You don't fight spirit with natural. I don't fight spiritual deception with a natural discernment. I fight spiritual deception with a spiritual discernment from God by the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of discernment. It means it's spiritual. So deception is spiritual at its root, spiritual at its source. And so we can't spend our efforts and our time and our, and, 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 and our resource trying to naturally get people over. I'll do as much as I can. Holy Spirit, you have to take it from here. I've planted the seed. Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to reveal to them. You're gonna have to take the blinders off. And think about Paul, Saul, Riding on that horse, headed to Damascus. 
on his way to murder and kill more Christians in the name of God, thinking he's advancing God's kingdom purpose. God, I'll get them off the planet for you. I'll get all these heretical people, these people that claim that you sent your son and he died on the cross and he's the Messiah, he's the anointed. I'll get them out of here because we're still waiting for you. And, and he was knocked off his horse by Jesus himself. It, 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 it's nothing that we do that will change people's minds, change their hearts. We can sow the seed, but you have to hand them over to God. You have to hand them over to the Holy Spirit. It's not gonna be done naturally. Let me give you this real quick, and this will kind of give us a jumping off point for next week. Progression of deception. Progression of deception. Number one, you hear a lie. That means you open yourself up to it. You entertain it. You tolerate it. Even at the most minimal source, at the most, you, 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 you open, you hear a lie. And you know what the Bible says? Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. We all know what the rest of it says, and hearing by the word of God. Well, that's, where, that's how you build faith in God. But did you know that faith comes by hearing? Faith comes by hearing. What's that mean? What I hear is where I build my faith. And I can build my faith in the things against God just as much as I can in God. I hear a lie, but then I keep entertaining it. And I keep tolerating it. And I keep buying it. Well, from there, I will, number two, believe a lie. I believe it. I believe it to be true. I treat it as truth. I value it. I take care of it. I fight for it. I hear a lie. I believe a lie. And the third level of deception, I defend a lie. I defend it. I fight, I fight it. I fight for it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.